Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell. The king of DC media. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight's guests are director writer Clint Gage, actor musician Rick Germain, and actor Ian Wade from the film A Clean Exit. Find out more at acleanexit.com. That's acleanexit.com. So I see. Clint, Rick, and Ian are on the line, so let me bring them on in. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Fantastic. Good evening. Everybody on the line? Yes, I'm here. Yes, all right. I'm I'm here as well. All right, all right. So, yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks for having us. Okay, Clint, I'm going to start with you. I know you were between seasons with Shotgun Mythos. And what made you write a clean exit? Yeah, so you were between seasons. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you very well. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, Clint, I know you were between seasons with uh, Shotgun Mythos. So what made you write a clean exit? Well, you know, it's funny. Clean, uh, Clean Exit was written as a novel a little over a decade ago. And I knew it had some problems in the third act, and I just never uh, went back and worked on the novel. And about a year ago, uh, my wife and I had started to discuss doing projects during our hiatus uh, for Shotgun Mythos. And I thought, well, you know, let me get prepared and start looking over what stories I had written that would lend themselves to a film adaption uh, or scripts that I'd had. I I mean, I've got folders and folders of, you know, ideas like every writer. Um, And I uh, found the novel, read through it, and kind of had a eureka moment and realized how I could fix the third act. And it worked better as a script than as a novel. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how it went. All right. All right. So, uh, Ian, we're going to plunge right in and talk about your character, Bernie Walker. So tell me a little bit about that character. Well, Bernie is uh, hes part of the... Um, uh, high-risk warrant team out of D.C., and he's been on been on the team probably for about 10 years or so, and he's uh, with uh, he's part of the group with his uh, good buddy Trace, who he's worked with before he even got on the unit. And uh, he's um, Bernie is a guy who's uh, very uh, I guess loyalty would be the strongest feature of him. He's very loyal to his family, his friends, his co-workers. He's, he's part of a team. That's, that's 
what he envisions. That's how he sees himself. And he, um, but he's, uh, he, he can, he can be kind of, uh, judge, be judgmental, kind of be quick. Um, he, he's not, uh, one, uh, to not show his feelings. He, he's definitely, if he's angry, he'll let you know. He'll, he'll speak his mind. Um, but, uh, so you'll know where you stand with him, um, as a team member, uh, you know, as a family member, you'll know where you, where you stand with him. And, um, but he, he kind of has, uh, he can be abrasive, but there still is a, a, a tenderness underneath that he, I think during the film, he really kind of reaches down to, to, to show, to experience, especially when it comes to his daughter, um, that you know, a side of him probably that he doesn't let, probably doesn't let many men show, and and probably wasn't very good with women, in terms of uh, showing his more tender side, his uh, his more compassionate side, and I think that kind of comes out more uh, with his experience with his daughter and and uh, the murder of his wife. Hmm. Okay, so Rick, you gotta you gotta tell me about that, Tito. Guardino. That, that's a great name. I love that name. You sound like a pretty bad <laughs> dude. So, <laughs> talk about Tito. Well, Tito is a businessman from uh, New York. Actually, he's a he, he's organized crime, um, <laughs> and his his son is mixed up in the or actually pretty directly responsible for uh, the murder of Bernie's ex-wife and the uh, you know the things that happened to his daughter and. You know, uh, Ian mentioned loyalty uh, early, uh, just describing Bernie, and loyalty definitely runs through this, uh, the entire script. And and Bernie is actually, I'm sorry, Tito is actually loyal to his son to a fault. Um, you know, to the to the point where he's he's willing to go the distance to protect his boy, even though he knows his boy is uh, not really worth protecting. Um, and uh but you know family loyalty and all that and so he's he he sallies forth into uh west virginia to uh try to protect him all right all right so uh i'm going to go back to clint and we're going to talk a little bit about uh now i know this this movie is it's on the i-81 corridor and talk a little bit about your locations. I mean, what's uh, your, the challenges with filming in a kind of a rural location as opposed to more of an urban location? Which one do you prefer? Well, you know, it's funny because the novel is actually set in Detroit. Um, oh, that's actually really? it was, that's where, where, I, where I set the novel. Um, but I am living in West Virginia, so it made sense that if we're going to film it here, let's tell the story out here uh, right so we, had, we we made that we made that a, a change in the uh, in the novel or in, you know when we transferred it to script as for you know the challenges I mean the, the, the biggest challenges are that uh, that you run into when you're out in a rural area is everybody has to drive a huge distance to come out to help to, to work yeah. on a production. So I can't really, I don't really have a um, a really reliable large group of people to to kind of rely on. 
um, when it comes to crew and things like that. Uh, the actors are fantastic. You know, they're coming from all over the place. But typically, an actor, when an actor is done, an actor leaves. So we don't really have, I wouldn't say, we, we, we don't really have the, the uh, a, a large crew that you might find with an uh, indie production in uh, D.C. and Northern Virginia. We do have, you know, very dedicated folks who are great to work with, um, but there, there's just not quite as many of them. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Christoffel was kind of, uh, he really went above and beyond. He plays Bobby, who is Tito's son, uh, but he is also really assistant everything um, when the making, you know, throughout the making of the film. He was here for pre-production. He was here for production. He uh, has been our uh, our sound guy uh, throughout the film. And when he's not on, you know, it's been hey, who's available? Yeah, in fact, there was I think Ian held a held a, a boo pole in one scene, and uh, uh, it's it's really a you know, the, it's funny because I think the advantage is also the disadvantage. The disadvantage being that you don't have a lot of people to call for, uh, to to call on, but the the way you turn that into advantage is is that everyone is so invested in making the product good that everybody was helping out uh, throughout the project. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about acting. So now, uh, Ian, I know that. Um, in preparing for this role, you know, they're, they're really, you're not really supposed to, well, I've been taught that you don't really look at what's been done before. You interpret the role your own way and everything. But there had to have been some cop role archetypes. I won't say there were, there were actual roles, but like, what's some of the, I guess, the great cop roles, either from TV or, or movies that you you drew on or either drew on or, or did you just completely shut that out of your mind? Um, that's a good question. Um, obviously since this is a, an original script, um, I, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't have somebody to compete against who had done the role before. So I was create, I yeah. was creating the role, uh, which was, which was fantastic. I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, in terms of uh, who did I draw upon, I really, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't look at any specific actor or, or character from any other TV show or film in order to, uh, in order to, um, um, uh, to inform my character. Um, I really yeah. did it from uh, just from researching, reading the script. And you know he, you know he's got a disease. It's uh, he's got ALS, and he's he has to deal with it. And I had to research that in terms of, I mean, and not you don't see a lot of characters on television to have ALS. So that, I think I thought that was a pretty unique aspect of him, of Bernie. And so it was okay. How do I get? How, how do I manifest this disease in him uh, throughout? the uh throughout the film and uh and so that required research it required you know talking with Clint 
and seeing, okay, how are we going to, you know, where are we at, at what point in his disease and the progress of it? Um, it the other thing was, uh, it was it was challenging because, you know, a film is not shot sequentially. So you can be starting in the middle, you know, your first scenes could be in the middle of uh, the, the film. Uh, you might be shooting the end scenes like a few weeks just into the production. And so it was keeping that in mind uh, and his, you know, his progress with that disease, I think, was a big element in trying to be consistent and throughout the production when you're shooting scenes that are, you know, from the beginning, end, middle, and they go all around like that. So I, I felt that I, I really kind of did a lot of research on my own and uh, really took the character from, from what I knew uh, um, and, and tried to develop him in, in a unique perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Rick, I asked you the same question. So, was this one of those things where you just mined the script, or did you find yourself at least thinking about a drawing from some of the famous gangster wolves that are out there? Right, and and you would think you know that would be a, a super easy way to go, uh, but in the in the beginning when we were first talking about the script uh, and the character, uh, Clint was was pretty clear about the fact that Tito. He's. It, it's more about him being a family man, and he's just trying to kind of resolve the situation the best he can with the tools that he has available to him in his life. Um, so, so Tito doesn't. He's not about threats so much. Um, you know, he is about showing strength, but but he's coming at it from a different perspective he's he's really just a dad and and it's it's a line that he actually says about bernie but it's also true about himself he's he's just doing what a dad does um the fact that he happens to be a mobster and you know the whole criminal element is almost incidental to the fact that he's just trying to protect his boy so i didn't want to come at it from your you know typical uh, Italian mobster, uh, everybody gets a gun drawn on them, you know, all about being threatening and, and um, you know, all about just killing yeah. everybody that stands in his way. And, and you know, that, right. that's not where he's coming from. He's, his whole thing is, hey, let's, let's just resolve this, you know. And he's, he's kind of calm, but there's this underlying boil the whole time because that's, that's the business he's in. And He's used to getting his way, so uh, there's this sort of calm. But uh, underneath of that, you can tell he's he's fighting his real sort of mobster instinct. Yeah. Okay. We're going to switch back to filmmaking. So, uh, you know, Clint, talk a little bit about your style as a director. So now you're there's two different. I guess there's several different styles, but I kind of like to make a. a comparison between two extremes is the Clint Eastwood extreme where you're say, you know, is it in focus? Could you hear what the actors were saying? Let's move on. And there are other directors that are like perfectionists. So which are you? Well I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a perfectionist. I, I wanna get it I want to I want the scene to feel real. Um it, it I, I don't want I, I'm not really looking for performances from actors. I'm more looking for 
um, really making sure you're getting to the heart of what the scene is. Um, you know, we I, I preached on on set several times about knowing your role, knowing knowing the uh, the character's role in the story, uh, knowing what what purpose this character is serving to the overall story. Um, and, and the, the cast was fantastic. I mean, a lot. I think, you know, I, I think that old the old uh, rule is right that you know, ninety uh, percent of directing is getting it right in the casting process. Um, yeah. And and our our cast was fantastic. I they really embodied the characters. Um, you know, when you're when you're writing alone in uh, you know a room by yourself, you're imagining all of these potential actors to play a character but again I mean when I was writing this the first time it was 10 years ago I didn't know many of these actors that uh, uh, that we work with uh, yeah. but at this point I can't imagine somebody else playing Bernie or someone else playing Tito or uh, you know any of the, the characters Trace, uh, Rianne I mean the, the whole cast was fantastic um you know, and a lot of what we what we do, we do a lot of we spend a lot of time talking the scene through, and then uh, I let the cast, you know, rehearse it as, as many times as they need before they feel comfortable, and then we shoot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm gonna switch back to uh, acting again, and I know that this film, it's of course I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it's very kind of a thinking man's kind of story with a little bit of action and I, I saw a lot of guns there's a lot of a lot of gun imagery and so let's talk a little bit about uh, guns so now Ian I, I suppose that your character handles a lot of guns in the film so how did you approach that did you uh, uh, did you shoot in real life or did something that you had to get some training on um, I, we got training um, from uh, w- w- our guy, our trainer was uh, Nick Vassalou, who um, I, I believe he's worked in the Marines. He was in the Marines, um, and he's you know that's that's I think that's his job is is is, is um, you know firearms and having him uh, come in and volunteer his time and go over um, the procedures in, um, doing, um, in these, in these types of groups, these types of teams that, that go in with, uh, with rifles, uh, you know, assault weapons, with handguns and work as a team in terms of extracting a, um, a, a perpetrator or getting a, you know, victim, uh, to safety. Um, he was instrumental in, um, teaching us, all the the basic procedures on how to handle your gun, you know. Um, so I, that uh, that played a, a critical role in, in helping us out, especially for me, at least. Absolutely, absolutely. Rick, how about you? Do you uh, fire guns? Uh, go to the range in real life? Uh, you know, I used to uh, years ago. I used to shoot guns quite a bit. Um, hadn't in quite a long time. Um, but you know, for a lot of the cast, we didn't uh, we didn't go through the gun training because we weren't characters that would have had gun training um, necessarily. So uh, aside from um, from Nick, who was uh, just amazing, we also had Daniel Purcell, 
who uh, I believe Daniel's also a former police officer um, and, you know, knows a lot about the gun safety and about the um, just sort of the protocols that, uh, that trained police use, you know, the way they hold the gun, the way they draw the gun, the way they clear a room, uh, all those sorts of things. You know, we had people on set that, that knew exactly how that's supposed to be done. And, um, yeah, so it, it gave everything a, a really nice um, realism to it um, so that even people that are in law enforcement can watch it and go, oh, my God, that's not how we do this, you know, because um, we know from watching other movies that, that people do that a lot. Uh, audiences are a lot more sophisticated nowadays, so uh, you have to kind of go that extra mile to make sure uh, everything looks right. Um, for me, I didn't have to do any gun training. Um, not because I'm amazing with a gun, but because I'm just a normal guy in this movie. I'm not a cop. I'm not trained with weapons, so I shoot however I shoot. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting. It, it, it was a lot of fun to to work with the guns. We also had uh, guns that fired um, paintballs that were, you know, filled with plaster or filled with wood. Um, for ricochets off the walls and things like that, and it was—it really made for a nice, realistic environment when we were shooting. Right, right. So I'm gonna go back to uh, Clint. So, how did you come up with the title? Oh, a clean exit. It just—it felt like the right title for uh, for this group um, and, and for the story. Uh, the other thing I should mention too, and, and I, I completely. Uh, blew past it, but when I was looking to adapt it, one of the things I knew is that I'm not a, I'm not a former cop. I, I have not I have no military or police training. So um, I asked Dan Purcell to uh, to come in and basically help co-write slash uh, be my uh, my my technical consultant uh, to make sure that we were being realistic and getting. Uh, those things right. Uh, he he is not a. I don't believe he is a former police officer, but his uh, his children are. So we had people we could call and say, what would what would the uh, DC police do in this situation, and go from there. Awesome. So, awesome. So, yeah, so uh, as, as for the title, it just felt like the right title. Yeah. I know that that's not a very sexy answer, but that's true. Just <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometimes you got to go up your gut. You just got to go up yeah, your exactly. gut. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> We're coming up on about uh, eight minutes left. So just Ian and Rick quickly just talk about uh, the audition process, how that went from you, and then uh, first, uh, I mean, yeah, we got a few questions at the end there, a little bit about the. Uh, Shotgun methods, but just to start off with uh, Ian talking about how you approach the, the audition. Um, well, it's nice to have. Uh, I had si the sides uh, sent to me beforehand, and I was just. I had an outline of what the what the uh, the plot was and everything, and what the character who the character was, but I, I didn't know the whole story going in. I hadn't. I didn't wasn't privy to actually reading the script beforehand. So um, taking that information that I had and just doing some research on ALS, 
um, I try to incorporate that, incorporate that into the audition process uh, when we did it. Um, it was, uh, for me, when I went in there, it was a group of us. Uh, we actually um, auditioned with a scene that actually was changed. So it's not actually part of the, the film, the script. Um, but uh, so there's a bunch of us in there and, and just kind of going through that with the guys and interacting with them and, um, and memorizing it pretty much beforehand so that uh, I didn't, wasn't always looking down at, at the paper when I came in. So uh, that, uh, doing that, uh, the research, uh, familiarity with the science beforehand um, really kind of yeah, really helped me out there. Okay, Rick? Well, the audition process um, was pretty simple. I just I just paid Clint, and he hired me. So we were done. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That um, works. That works every uh, time. I wish that worked. <laughs> uh, the audition process was, was actually very cool. Um, I had originally, I really wanted to play Bernie. Um you know, and, and Ian knows this. <laughs> and after I saw what they put him through on set as the lead role, I was kind of, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm kind of like a Tito. Um, <laughs> but uh, seriously, uh, Tito, um, you know, Clint had told me that he kind of saw me for Tito. And and I read, uh, you know, the, the, the sides for it. And I, and I thought it was interesting, but I really, really wanted Bernie. And I went in and I read for Bernie and I read for Tito. Um but it, it was great because we had a pretty huge casting process, and Shotgun Mythos had a very large cast. It was uh, over 70 people in the cast. And so a lot of those people were coming out to audition for this. Um, and it was a proper audition. There was, nobody had any roles in the bag, you know, going into it. Um, yeah. And it was great to see everybody again, but it was also cool to see everybody uh, switching up and and playing different characters than we had just seen them play for the last year, so yeah. that was also interesting too. That was that was a really fun part of it. Um, but yeah, it, it was a great audition. Um, you know, it, it was it was a pretty large casting call, um, but it went really smooth and everybody had a good time. It wasn't one of those. You know, I've been to some large casting calls where it's kind of uptight. Nobody's talking to each other. Everybody's, um, and this wasn't like that at all. This was almost like a reunion party. So it was really fun. All right. Okay. So we're down about uh, five or six minutes here. But uh, so now, Clint, talk a little bit about uh, how Shotgun Methos is going, and then uh, segue from that into how you were able to. Uh, you do a clean exit without crowdfunding. With, with, I'm sorry, with what? Without crowdfunding. Oh, without crowdfunding. Um, well, yeah. I mean, Shaka Mythos is doing great. We, we finished uh, the first season. Well, okay, long story short, we actually <laughs> started Mythos when we, we did not have any of the proper equipment. We didn't have the proper tools. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have the proper knowledge when we started, um, and we knew all of those things. We knew that we did not know enough, and we knew that we did not have enough. But if you wait for the situation to be perfect, it, you'll never get started. So we yeah. got started with with you know a, an old camera. Uh, we had I think like one or two lights. I mean it was it was pretty ridiculous. 
um, how bad it started, you know, how little we had when we started. And uh, we got through the first season, and it had some massive flaws because we were, it was an indie production. It was a true indie. Uh, and it yeah. was a true no budget. I mean, it, literally, we were kind of, it was, you know, duct tape, duct tape and uh, super glue holding the, holding the series together. Um, <laughs> we, we upgraded a bunch of our equipment between season one and season two. And then we came in and we did season two. Season two looked so much better than season one. And then between season two and season, what would have been season three, we upgraded even more equipment. And we all, I basically sent out an email to the entire cast, and I said, listen, here's where it stands. We clearly put forth a, a subpar product the first time around because we just didn't have the tools. We have the tools to do better. And I basically asked the, the cast and the crew, I said, um, how about, would you guys consider rebooting the whole thing, reshooting the whole thing from the beginning? And to the cast and crew's credit, 96% of them came back with, let's do it. So we just finished the reboot of season one um, last year. And it's, it, it looks fantastic. It's uh, going out to television this week or next week. I'm not sure on the time frame on that. Um, and, uh, you know, we will, we'll, we'll see from there. Um, and then how we did a clean exit without crowdfunding, it's the same way we did uh, Shock and Mythos without crowdfunding. Um, my wife and I own a ad agency in rural West Virginia, and we do it the old-fashioned way, I guess. We, we save money. Um, you know, and it also helps that as we buy tools for our job, those tools yeah. are also usable for film. So as we upgrade the company, we also upgrade our filming capabilities. Awesome. Um, and it's just it's just good old fashioned, you know, eating ramen some weeks. Um, <laughs> That's right. You know, it's it's you save. Uh, I'm not a big fan of crowdfunding. I, I think crowdfunding can be fantastic, but I think a lot of times crowdfunding turns into I'd like somebody else to pay for my dreams, and I'm not a big fan of that. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Absolutely. you know if you if you have a dream, then work for it. Um, that that's my just my personal philosophy. I'm not, you know, I, I there are some crowdfunding uh, crowdfunding uh, programs that have been fantastic and have been of value to both the fans and the filmmakers. But I think a lot of times it becomes all about an advantage for the filmmakers and not really, you know, it feels like you're taking advantage of the of the one person you shouldn't be taking advantage of, and that's the fan. So. Absolutely. I tend to shy away from crowdfunding. That's right. Yep, being frugal, that's what it's about, frugal filmmakers. So we're just about to a couple of minutes. So Ian, uh, Rick, talk about how uh, fans can find you online, and then, uh, Clint, just wrap up with uh, where are you going to show this thing? You know, you got private screens, you got festivals and all that. So Ian, start. <laughs> well... Uh, probably, I do have a website, but I don't have it set up yet. Um, it's, so I can't, uh, it's going to be another few months for that. But, uh, on Facebook right now is, is where I, you know, I show everything. It's, uh, Ian A. Wade on Facebook. And, um, so you should be able to find me on there pretty easily. 
Uh, as for me, I, uh, you can you can find me on uh, IMDb, um, on Facebook. Um, uh, yeah, most most of my stuff is in one of those two places. Uh, uh, you can also check out the movie and some trailers and and things like that at a cleanexit.com. Um, uh, Clint, what's the uh, URL? I think shotgunmythos.com, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there you go. So shotgunmythos.com, a cleanexit.com, uh, lots of good stuff on there. Um, hopefully we'll we'll be getting to a season two of Shotgun Mythos. Um, I know it's written, I've read it, and it's awesome. So uh, I'm hoping we we get to film that in the near future. Uh, but right now, yeah, looking looking forward to uh, getting a clean exit out there. And uh, Clint, let them know what our plans are for that. Well, a clean exit, really, the, the plan is pretty simple. We're going to have a, um, a private screening uh, in, I think, June or July. I, again, I'd have to check with my wife on that. She's the boss when it comes to all the promotional stuff uh, and, all the, and all the marketing. Um, I believe June or July we're going to have a private screening. Uh, and then, you know, we start submitting to film festivals uh, as soon as it's done, as soon as I have a, um, uh, you know, once I have a, a lockdown cut, uh it starts going out and I will, I'm guessing we're in post-production right now. Uh, but I would guess that it will be ready to go out in probably about 10 to 15 days. It'll start going out to festivals. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, Clint, Ian, Rick, it's been a pleasure. Just break legs and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks so much. much. I really appreciate you having us on here. Absolutely. Okay. Y'all have a great night. Okay. Right, and you. we will see you at the private screening, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. All right. Thank you. Adios, amigos. Okay. All, All right. right. Have a good night, man. Yes. Bye-bye. And I just want to leave this out with everybody to do something for your career every day and break a leg. Night. Hey, federal employees, what would you do with $1 million? Your wishful thinking can become a reality. We're FedChoice, and we're here to help you achieve your million-dollar dreams, from saving you money on a loan to helping you save for retirement. Visit us online at FedChoice.org and use the keyword inside. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, an official sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my Sound no one can find I never met anyone like you I wasn't living before you came Now I'm seeing myself in you I made your image 
can you climb like I did on walls of gray? Save me now, you're too close. Feels like a sin when you're beside me. Still I play with your danger like a savior. You're my only hope. And I can see Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.